All right, you guys, thanks for joining us. Welcome to The Dad Presents, where we pledge allegiance only to family and freedom. Now, you probably just noticed that we got a new theme song called Tons of Toys. It's written and performed by a very talented musician, star of one of America's first reality TV shows called Todd TV. It was on FX back in like 2003, something like that. And Todd of Todd TV, Todd Santos. He was my roommate from 2002 to 2005. He's a very talented musician. You can find all his stuff on SoundCloud. And ladies, Todd's a single man, and he's got a big, fat, scary piece that I've seen more than I wish I had. You can probably find him on Tinder. Um, You're probably wondering why the, the theme music changed, and I guess the answer is just because I like to mix things up from time to time. I don't know, probably the same reason why I'm gay on the second Tuesday of every month that ends in the letter Y. You know, you just got to find ways to keep life interesting as you get older and older. And I'm almost 50, so I got to get creative, you know? The old theme song, um, I don't tell you every episode, but I should give it a shout out. It was called Waiting on Santa. Now, now that I think about it, transitioning from Waiting on Santa to Tons of Toys kind of has like a thematic thematic kind of vibe for a show called the dad presents pretty cool transition uh anyway waiting on santa was written and performed by paul lemire another friend of mine another very talented musician uh you can also find his music on soundcloud lemire is spelled l-e-m-i-r-e and yeah ladies paul is also a single dying piece he doesn't have the he doesn't he doesn't he's not working with the same equipment same kind of hog as todd but he's a very talented man um, it's kind of like, you know, think like Dave Matthews meets a friendly Muppet. That's him. Who's 50? Anyway, both super generous dudes. And thank you so much for letting us use your music. And let's get on with the show. Um, let me know which song you like better. Cause I, cause I'm just tinkering. I haven't made a final decision. And, uh, you know, you can let me know by emailing me at Matt at the dad presents. So just in a minute, we got we have an amazing guest for you guys today. We're going to be spreading love and liberty with Spike Cohen, the one and only, the Libertarian Vice Presidential Candidate of 2020, and I'm hoping a future presidential candidate in 2024. But before we get into that interview, um, I want to do something that we like rarely do on this show, and that's I want to play some audio clips from the past week because I got I got three clips downloaded for you that that took me a minute to figure out how to download the clips off the internet and get them on the show because I used to have a tech guy and now it's just me. So it took me a minute. So I did that for you because I think it's important because I think these three clips really sum up what's going on in the country right now. The first clip we have, it's, it's a good one. It's from, it's from the San Francisco mayor, Mayor Breed. She's, she's, she's in a bar She's listening. She's watching Tony, Tony Tone, legendary Tony, Tony Tone perform. She's mask free and she's feeling the spirit. And I got her back. I can relate because when the spirit grabs you, I mean, you, you, you can't follow your own friggin' rule and keep a mask on when the spirit grabs you. The spirit has grabbed you. It will literally smack that mask off your face. So let's listen to the audio here. Uh, a video shows a maskless breed neither seated at a table nor positioned at a stationary counter standing and dancing without any food or drinks in her hand she also posed for photos while not wearing a mask 
I had a good time at the Black Cat. And I think it's sad that um, this is even a story. Um, the fact is, um, there was something that was really um, monumental that occurred. And that is Tony, 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 the original members, the brothers, Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne Wiggins, who have not performed in public for, I believe, at least over 20 years. They are just really um, some of the most incredible artists in the history of this country and the Bay Area in particular. And the fact that that is getting lost here is very unfortunate. Okay, so just to be clear, um, um, I was sitting at my table and when, I don't know about you and whether or not you know who Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne Wiggins are, but I don't know about you, but if you know who they are, I don't care where you're sitting, you're gonna get up and start dancing. My drink was sitting at the table. I got up and started dancing because I was feeling the spirit and I wasn't thinking about a mask. So guys, yeah, if you got a baby and you're on a plane, you need to keep a mask on your baby. And I, I don't care if your baby has asthma. I don't care that no babies without comorbidities have died from COVID. You got to put that mask on your baby. But you can't expect a lady to wear a mask when she's feeling the spirit from a Tony, Tony, Tony performance. You can't expect that. If you don't understand the significance of a live performance from Tony, Tony, Tone, you're obviously not between the ages of 42 and 49, and you can't understand the vast historical significance of this event. I mean, this is a monumentous historical event. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what you can compare this to. Maybe it's like up there with the ratification of the Bill of Rights or, or the stand we took at the Alamo or Abraham Lincoln signing the Declaration Proclamation. Tony, Tony, Tone was back together. And that mayor who said, your baby's got to wear masks when they go to preschool. She was feeling the fucking spirit. So don't tell her to put a mask on. You can't. I mean, have, have you guys ever even felt the spirit? Do you even know what that's like? No, you don't. You know why? Because you're dumb and God hates you. But I felt the spirit. And I'll tell you, you can't, you can't put a mask on when the spirit hits you. It, it might suffocate the spirit. And okay. And did you guys know that if you're educated and sophisticated, like, like the dad, you don't need a mask. This goes for the people at the Emmys. This goes for the people at Obama's birthday party earlier this summer. Yeah, your kid, your dumb, ugly, smelly, dirty kid. That kid needs a mask in school, but that's because your kid is a fucking tard. Sophisticated, educated people like the dad. We don't need masks. And that takes us to our second clip. Other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Yeah, guys. Sophisticated people don't have to follow the rules. There's one set of rules for unsophisticated, gross, dirty, poor people and another set of rules for the people they serve. 
I got a master's degree, guys. I got a pile of money from my business when I sold it. And I'm so sophisticated that I eat pizza with a fork and I almost never pick my nose. No, guys, I don't wear a fucking mask because masks are for my maid. And yes, she's brown because brown people need masks because they're less sophisticated. And that's science from Barack Obama and his party and CNN. Thank you. Duh. People like me and AOC and Gavin Newsom and Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Rogen, we don't need masks. We're sophisticated. I've got Spike Cohen coming on in a few minutes. He's famous. He ran for president. I'm sure he agrees. He doesn't need a mask. Smart, rich people don't need masks. Masks are for poor servants like you. And yeah, you know, if you got a baby and you're on a plane and your baby might die from an asthma attack and it's crying and it wants to take off its mask, if you try to take that baby's mask off, and I'm on that plane, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab your ugly fucking baby and throw it off the plane. I will take your stupid, helpless, ugly, asthma-ridden baby and throw it off the fucking plane to protect all the other innocent babies on that plane. Your, your feelings, if, if you have a baby or if you're on that plane and you feel threatened by that baby, I understand that your feelings are more important than that baby's life. That baby's a terrorist. Okay, and with that, let's get into the audio of the mom and the baby who had the audacity to take off her mask in a plane. Luckily, she was removed from that plane. Play the audio. I'd like to show you the video of that. It's even better. Um, the airline was forcing the mother to forcefully keep that mask on the baby's face, even though it was having an asthma attack. And a lot of people afterwards try to dismiss it and say that it wasn't having an asthma attack. But the baby was later treated medically for exactly that. And the mother released pictures of the baby getting the treatment. So she that's a long con if she went through all that to try to convince you that the baby had asthma. I don't care if the baby had asthma or not. Why, why are we forcing babies to wear masks? What, what has gone on? What is, what is happening in our society? It's, it's infuriating. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful that this is where society has arrived at. If, if that were my wife and my baby and some snooty lady came over and said that I had to hold a mask over my baby's mouth and nose or that they were going to turn this plane around like your dad when you're going on vacation in 1979 in the, in the frigging uh, station wagon. I would have let them turn the plane around. And when we landed, I would have marched straight into the airline's corporate offices and beat the CEO with Fauci's stupid, limp, white man's body. Just I would have just grabbed Fauci and beat the CEO over the head with Fauci. 
I mean, don't you guys get it yet? This, this is just, it's just all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Entirely bullshit. All of the rules are bullshit. Their vaccine, the latest statistics, you know, I've I've been putting out a lot of information as far as, you know, make a smart decision about the vaccine. We're not anti-vax here. I'm vaccinated. Uh, The vaccine helps you not get as sick, blah, 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 blah. But now they're pushing a third shot. The new data coming out is showing that the vaccine, they can't even prove that it works. All right. Beyond that, lockdowns again, police arresting people all over the world, uh, mask mandates in school, COVID vaccination mandates coming for your five-year-old. That's coming soon here in California. Nurses quitting all over the country because they're being forced to get shots. Teachers quitting. This, This is insane. They don't believe in the rules that they are laying down for you. And we know they don't believe in the rules because they don't follow their own fucking rules. If their rules were so important and they were life and death, you wouldn't get up and dance. You wouldn't get up and dance in public and take off your mask and expose yourself to COVID if it were life and death. It's all bullshit and it's time to take a stand. All right, guys, we're going to get into it with the amazing Spike Cohen. But first, let me remind you to please like, subscribe, and review this podcast on iTunes, please. I'm going to upload this one to YouTube, so just please search Spike Cohen and The Dad Presents. I'm sure you'll find it, and please follow, because once we get 100 followers, then we will get a channel, and we'll be up and running. We got thousands and thousands and thousands of followers on the audio. We're going to try to try to do the YouTube thing. Um, please go to thedadpresents.com for great content and to get on our mailing list. As I've mentioned before on the page, we're building some exciting alliances with some organizations who want to fight back against the tyranny being executed upon us and our children. Uh, and visit us on all social, most especially Facebook, where we got a large gathering of about 70,000 fired up parents at The Dad Presents. And now a word from our sponsors. TheExpatMoneyShow.com. This is the best travel show on the internet. New show drops every Wednesday. We had a, They had a great episode last week with Chris Penn. Uh, no, not Chris Penn, the talented, bloated brother version of Sean Penn who died from a drug overdose in Santa Monica. But Chris Penn, the man ha- who has been traveling all over North America for 10 straight years, living out of a converted 2002 Skokie bus. That sounds amazing. The podcast was amazing. I listened to it. I don't catch it every week. I try to catch it as much as I can. It's a great show. This was a great one. Check it out. This guy's story was amazing. What he learned, how he survived off the grid, things that a lot of us are thinking about doing. When I hear stories like that, part of me just wants to, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's like a part deep within me that just wants to kiss the wife and the kids, go out for a pack of smokes, and just maybe take off for, for a life of adventurous chaos. I mean, I, I, I couldn't do it because I love my family too much. I really do love those guys. 
And I couldn't do it also because that Filipina would hunt me down like an animal, wound me, capture me. She'd cut off my balls, put them in a vase on the mantle and torture me until the day I died. But, you know, I couldn't do it because love. That's why I couldn't do it. But regardless, the sound of this dude's life just sounds so romantic and exciting. Anyway, Mikkel has great weekly guests on his show. Do not miss it. Every week on Wednesday, iTunes or wherever the hell you listen to your podcast, check out their Facebook page. Also, the Expat Money Show, the Expat Money Forum. If you want to travel, this is the show to learn about it. And also, guys, sponsor number two, sheathunderwear.com. Sheathunderwear.com. I'm wearing a pair right now. It's the only thing I'm wearing right now. You can't see me. I'm sitting here in my sexy sheath underwear looking sleek. The wife just popped in the doorway. She's looking at me. She looks, she's got that eye of the tiger going on because the dad looks good in his sheath underwear. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Code word dad for 20% off. Get yourself a pair. Get yourself a dozen pair. Make your wife happy. And with that, Let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got a big treat for you today. Our guest might be the most influential voice for liberty out there right now. He's a smart and handsome manly man who got his nickname from a cartoon pony. He's former vice presidential candidate for the United States of America, and I'm hoping he's the next president. Mr. Spike Cohen, how you doing? Wow, that means a lot to me, Matt. Thank you. I, I appreciate coming on. Uh, thank you very much. I, a small correction. I'm technically named after a cartoon dragon <laughs> that is on a cartoon about ponies. So oh, man. Cl- okay. Close enough, but I, just a minor correction. As no, a libertarian, I, I have to correct even the most <laughs> mild of inconsistencies. No, so I, well, thanks I mean, for having me on again, man. A dragon's way cooler than a pony, so I got that <laughs> way wrong. Thank you yes. for correcting me. Yes. Um. All right. So I follow you on social media. I've seen you on Kennedy. Uh, you've been on our show and I, I agree with most of your politics, uh, but I don't really know like what got you into liberty. Like what led you down that path? So what led me down the path of being a libertarian was being abused by reality is <laughs> the easiest way to put it. So I used to be a neocon um, back in 2001. Uh, I was 19 when 9-11 happened. Right. And I had no context of what I was seeing. I didn't know the history of U.S. imperialism. I didn't know the history of what government does when a crisis gets created. I didn't know any of that. What I knew was that the Twin Towers had fallen. I knew that, you know, the Pentagon had been attacked. I knew that another plane had, you know, crashed in in Pennsylvania, which was more than likely headed to the White House, or maybe that one was headed to the Pentagon too. That one Mm -hmm. was headed to do something terrible. And I knew that I was being told uh, by media that and government that this was likely to happen again that this might be our new normal, that we might never recover. Very interesting, a a lot of the things that we're experiencing during this pandemic, but on a much wider scale. And when that happened, I was told that the reason that this happened and that we already knew it was Osama bin Laden who did this. And the reason that Osama bin Laden did this, you see, is that he hated us. Why? Because we were just so darn free. He saw Western women wearing tight clothing and he saw western men being able to say and do whatever they wanted and and women as well and he just saw how we were living and it didn't you know jive with his very fundamentalist interpretation of islam and so he was just going to kill us all or force us to live the way he did i mean that's Um, really what they said Uh, that's basically they they straight up said that and Mm -hmm. what's wild about that in retrospect is he said why he did it Mm mm-hmm 
there was no dispute in any factual way as to why he did it. And yet they just wait. And, you know, it's it's crazy to think that they went and lied to us. Mm-hmm. But I didn't check it out. Right. I didn't go and read the fatwa and see why he had <laughs> declared war against the U.S. Neither did 99% of Americans. We just heard it. With, oh, they don't like us. Oh, okay. Well, that's why we did. It was available in English. We could have read why did bin Laden do this and seen right. that it was because of decades of U.S. foreign policy. Anyway, so, you know, out of that, I believed anything that the government said when it came to keeping us safe. I, I was always a believer that people should be able to do whatever drugs they wanted. Uh, that's never really changed. Uh, I, I believe that government shouldn't stop people from owning whatever firearms they wanted. That has never really changed. But I just I believe that government had to protect us from these bad, evil people and that we could for some reason we could trust them to to do whatever it took to do that. Invade Iraq, invade Afghanistan, bomb Syria, whatever. And there were these really annoying people called libertarians. And they weren't like the other anti-war people. The other anti-war people were anti-war because Republicans were pushing it, basically, right. for the most part. Not all of them, but most of them, it was because you know it was a Republican. I'm like, well, I can ignore you because if it were a Democrat doing it, you'd probably support them. And for most of them, that's true. But these libertarians, they didn't like Republicans or Democrats. And all they kept telling me is, hey, if you want a smaller government, you're not going to get it with an endless empire. If you want government out of your life, you're not going to get it from, you know, more infringements on your life and your rights and your property. You're not going to get it from endless surveillance without a warrant, you know, and, and no, you can't. If you aren't doing anything wrong, that doesn't mean you have nothing to hide from government. And I'd hear these things and I'd say, oh, you just want the terrorists to win. You don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. And they'd make predictions. It was even worse. Matt, they'd tell us what would happen. i go, how the hell do you know what's going to happen? And they'd say, because this is what always happens. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Then we'd watch it happen. Sure. Yeah. And as this went on, I just got angrier and angrier and angrier. And one day I realized the reason I was angry was because I was wrong. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's an easy... F- Eventually, I didn't initially... Easy get way to fix that. that. <laughs> I just, initially, I was just coping and seething. But eventually, I realized... There's one way. If the only thing I'm mad about is that I'm wrong, there's a great way to fix that. Yeah, Not be, be right. wrong. <laughs> right. Be right. right instead of wrong. Yeah. And so that led me to kind of reexamine everything. Because yeah. I also believe that the government, you know, uh, was the best people to decide who should be able to come here and live mm-hmm. here. I thought that the government should be able to decide uh, what, you know, uh, uh, you know, issues on things like abortion and things like, uh, you know, who should you know, public safety and and things like maybe even education, at least to some extent. I thought government should provide at least some kind of a safety net to the poor. These aren't controversial things or radical things. I just, you know, I thought, well, yeah, I mean, government exists for a reason. Right. (laughs) And so eventually I that kind of took me on the path to reexamine what I thought about everything. And I kind of went from being a neocon to kind of a constitutionalist tea partier type to eventually being, uh, you know, a a, a libertarian minarchist to to now being an anarcho-capitalist libertarian. That's that's what got me into the liberty movement was just reality proving them right. Exactly. Yeah. Them being proven right. Yeah. That, that's pretty yep. interesting that it was 9-11 and that it did it for you coming from the right because it was the same yep. event for me, but I was coming from the left. But I was I was always very um, I, I've always had a problem with authority in my life, like coaches, teachers, all that. And 9-11 came and I saw the majority of the left, like almost all the Democrats jumping on board for with all this rah, rah, we got to go to war stuff. And I was like, well, yep. wait a minute, you know, the left's supposed to be anti-war. And then I saw uh, Bill Maher, he had his, his show politically incorrect or whatever. Yep. And he yep. made a controversial statement and he just got 
buried. He said something about, you know, what the terrorists did was not cowardly, which it, it wasn't cowardly. I mean, it was it was horrific. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was actually pretty show. brave to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's, when I, that's when it clicked for me. I was like, oh, they're kind of the same. They, they, neither one of them much cares about us. They just want to control us from different angles. So that's interesting. I think a lot of people came of age during 9-11 and people who didn't come of age then, it was kind of the Ron Paul movement like seven, eight years later. That's interesting. Now, something you just said. I I have to, I'm sorry. I have to know what you said about Bill Maher because Mm -hmm. when that happened, this was when I was becoming a neocon, but I remember that that happened. And I remember my first thought thinking, man, I can see why that would piss people off. But He's not wrong that it's it's cowardly is the wrong word. What's cowardly is sending people off to do that. Frankly, mm-hmm. what's cowardly is sending soldiers off to go and fight these endless wars, too. Yeah. But saying I'm going to commit suicide and, and die forever for this, you know, whatever the cause is, whether you, whether it's a great cause or the worst cause ever, whether what they did was noble and wonderful or in this case, a terrible thing, uh, Cowardly can't describe that. I mean, kamikaze pilots are not cowardly by default. They they are willing yeah. to get, literally give up their entire life, not just risk their lives, but knowingly sacrifice their life for something. And I remember right. even in the midst of becoming a neocon, I'm like, well, he's not wrong. I mean, maybe it was a garbage thing to say right for exactly. now, but he's not wrong. Like if you're, you know, be mad that he's right or whatever. But yeah, yeah. But it was it was just like now, like you can't say anything outside of the acceptable narrative or yep. you're going to get canceled like that was the original exactly. cancel culture it's like he didn't yeah. what what he said was not wrong it was it was taboo it but it didn't it it wasn't acceptable with the mainstream narrative so you're exactly. out of here exactly. yeah just 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 awful anyway um so vaccine passports right this is this is the red line for me. This is this is the line in the sand for me. A lot of libertarians feel this way. Um, that said, my new favorite TV show right now is watching Democrats tripping all over themselves when Black Lives Matter calls their vaccine policies racist. Um, how do Democrats message their way out of this controversy? And is there any way that like some bridges can start to be built with Black Lives Matter over this issue? For progress. So first, I want to I want to talk about what the Democrats are going to do. Uh, corporate media is going to destroy anyone who goes against the the, the pro vaccine mandate uh, and vaccine passport narrative, uh, because there is billions of dollars to be made here for big pharma uh, and a crisis to uh, exploit, and anyone that gets in the way has to be destroyed. Even if you're on the left, especially if you're on the left, and especially if you're within their usual protected uh, protected class of people. Um, so yes, you're going to see there's going to be a maligning of anyone who doesn't fall under the narrative. And at the same time, they're going to promote anyone within those circles who promotes and, and supports the narrative. So anyone in the Black Lives Matter movement or, or the police accountability movement or in the left in general, the, the direct action movement for the acceptable part of the left, certainly not the far left, but the acceptable part of the left, certainly within BLM circles, anyone that comes out and says, well, actually what's racist is, you know, not supporting these mandates and that will get promoted and they'll say, well, this is the true face of Black Lives just, Matter. They're just twist it. Or okay. if enough of Black Lives Matter is like, 
No, uh, just because of even if a policy isn't explicitly race based, the fact that it disproportionately uh, it, uh, is enforced against communities of color makes it racist de facto, which is what they believe. That's the belief. That's what they say when they say systemic racism. What yes. they mean is even if it isn't intentionally racist, mm-hmm. if it if it intent if it is if we know that it is going to cause uh, disproportionate harm against communities of color, that makes it inherently racist on a right. systemic level. That's, that's what, what that means. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not, that's, that's what, what equity that is. And instead of equality. Yeah, Mm -hmm. literally, that's what that means. So if they do dig in their heels as a group and say, no, we don't, then BLM will be canceled and it'll happen quickly and impressively. Now, going back to where can we uh, come in? I just just hold on. I can't. I mean, with as much as as they've built up BLM in the last year, like you think it's going to be that easy for the corporate media to cancel them and and Democrats are just going to fall in line behind that. You think it's that simple? I think that what's more likely to happen is that they'll co-opt the, the the people among BLM that support the vaccine mandate and they'll push them there. So they're that's split the them. most. Yeah, that's the most likely path okay. there. Now, if for some reason they they dig in their heels on this and go, absolutely not. This is racist. So unless you can address the reasons why 72 percent of, of black people in some case in some neighborhoods aren't getting vaccinated and are choosing not to get vaccinated, you can't do this to us. They will have they will get canceled. It will happen quickly and you will be amazed by how quickly they can do it. And if you don't believe me, uh, R.I.P. to the anti-war left. Yeah. Remember them? Mm-hmm. Well, barely. Remember that? But- <laughs> remember all those? Remember Code Pink? Remember yeah. the uh, uh, Cindy Sheehan? Remember these people that were heroes and darlings of the left mm-hmm. until Barack Obama was in office and then they well, were vilified and completely ignored? Yeah. Even more recently than that. Do you remember Me Too? <laughs> I mean, with. You know, oh, with- yes. They canceled them basically, too, especially what was her mm-hmm. name? Um, the woman who started it all and then supported Larry Elder. Right. What's her oh, name? The, the actress? Uh, uh, Rose McGowan. Yeah. Rose yeah, yeah. McGowan, yep. Right. Yep. They, yep. they turned on her real quick. So, yeah, they, they will. T- I don't doubt you that they will turn on BLM in a second. Um, and, and yeah, when talking about those two examples, they did dispose of those narratives pretty quickly. You're probably right. And yeah, divide and conquer. If they, they can get BLM to split and they get half of them, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And it'll be a combination of those things, which is why. When I meet libertarians who say it is crucial that we be accepted by them within the mainstream media narrative and that that's what we need to do. I'm perfectly fine with networking with people in media. I'm perfectly fine with leveraging them for as much media attention as we can get. But the very second that we rely on major corporate media to get our message out there and aren't working on being the disruptors and building something new outside of that, the moment we do that, the moment they have the power to snap their fingers and we go away and we're completely forgotten about. So, And also it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen because the message of liberty um, flies in direct contrast to what these giant corporations want. So it's it's not going to happen. So it's exactly our main policy when it comes to them is dismantle the, the corporate gravy train that they've created where, right. you know, we get robbed of trillions of dollars and they get the, you know, they get basic uh, universal basic income for billionaires. Um, yes. You know, they definitely don't want that narrative out there, no. but I'm perfectly fine. If ABC or CBS or NBC or Fox or, you know, any of them want to have me on, I'm happy to do that. If they have other libertarians on, that's great. Justin Amash was just on ABC saying some really great stuff. That's fantastic. We can't rely on that. We cannot rely on that. Right. Because once you become 
any little bit of a threat like Ron Paul, then then that's when it ends. They, they completely yeah. ignored Ron Paul once it became yeah. clear that this guy might actually be a force that people are moving behind. Right. right they just, exactly. you know, the old John Stewart bit where it's like this guy's polling number one and they, they don't even mention him. Right. So, yep. yeah, you might get exactly. on ABC a couple of times, but as soon as they realize you're the real deal, that's over. You're gone. Um, you're gone. Yeah. Um, why are so many mayors and governors and celebrities immune to COVID? Is it, I mean, are they better than <laughs> us? What, what is it? Not just immune to COVID. They, uh, they don't need to ha- have masks. They don't need to, you know, obey any of the things. Yeah. They don't have to do anything. They do whatever they want. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I can tell you this, and I, I don't say this flippantly because I, uh, I am fairly fastidious with my personal health. Uh, I'm borderline hypochondriac. Um, I, when I, and I've gone around the country for nearly two years now, I've been to 43, 42 states, Wow. Well, o- over 40 states in the last two years, uh, over the last two years, many of them, st- those states multiple times. I've been to Florida like five times. Uh, I- I've been to many states multiple times. I've met tens of thousands of people, shaking hands, hugged people. Um, and yes, I do wash and, and sanitize. You can't be that big of a hypochondriac if you're doing all that during COVID. Like I said, borderline, okay. borderline. Right. So the hypochondria or the, I guess the fastidious, hypochondria is the wrong word. I'm fastidious. So mm-hmm. I'm always washing it. San- People will give me a hard time because I'll just randomly like pull out some sanitizer and they're like, oh, COVID. I'm like, no, I've been doing this for like 10 years. <laughs> I, I I routinely wash and sanitize my hands. I don't touch my face ever unless yeah. it is, unless I know my hands are clean, even at home. I don't like touching my, my face with dirty hands. And I think that's helped to keep me safe. I've never gotten COVID. I get tested routinely because the last thing I want is to be going around like, you know, typhoid Mary spreading disease, COVID spike, going and spreading disease around the country without even knowing it. Um, And I've continuously test negative. Uh, The thing is, this is a respiratory virus, which Mm -hmm. means that if you see someone who is coughing and sneezing, stay the hell away from them. Not just six feet, stay the hell away from them. Okay. And if you see someone and if you're around people, no, you don't need to kiss everyone you meet. You don't need to, you know, uh, eat after strangers or drink after strangers, really eat or drink after anyone if you don't want to. I've never liked doing that. But, you know, you you don't eat or drink after people. Basic health and safety precautions are much better than staying in a poorly, uh, poorly ventilated home most of the time. And with the same people all the time, venturing out only to go to the same place that everyone else is going, which is also poorly ventilated and hanging out with them just long enough to get your groceries or whatever. And then coming back home and sitting in there and spreading whatever you got to everyone else because you don't go outside. Your immune system is weak. You're you're you know, you're not doing anything to actually strengthen your immune system. You're doing everything to weaken it. That's going to lead you to get covid. Now, if you are vulnerable, if you're older, if you're obese, if you're any of those things and uh, or if you just, you know, don't don't want to risk it, then, you know, you should take the precautions that you need to take, but these need to be personal choices. And that includes vaccination. You know, when we see these politicians routinely, routinely flout their own orders, you have to stay home. I'm going to Florida to hang out. Uh, You know, you can't go to a restaurant. I'm going to go eat at French laundry Mm -hmm. you can't get your haircut. I'm going to go see a freaking go to a spa and have everyone come there just to service me. Not only we already knew that they think that they're above their own rules. That's that's nothing new. That's that's been around right. since the feudal era. We've we've known that politicians and those in power think that they're above the laws that they tell the little people. Well, they don't just think but it. They are above the laws. They are. It's legitimate. yeah. They literally are. Yeah. yeah, they're literally above the laws. What they're showing, Matt and everyone else watching, is that 
they don't think this is necessary. Right. Because exactly. if they did, it wouldn't matter what the rules were. They would do that thing mm-hmm. or not do that thing because it's the right thing to do and they don't want to get sick and they don't want to spread it to others. Right. Yes. So they're yes. demonstrating that they don't believe this is real or, or that they don't believe that their their orders, their their mandates and their lockdowns and everything else actually work or yeah. are useful. It's just something to make you do to show the control they have over you and to make your life. Miserable. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what you said in the beginning, like going back to the lockdowns, it was just it was just clearly asinine. Like everybody stays in their house, except the whole city's going to go to Target and hang out together in Target. In the same the only- time. Yes. Ridiculous. And then, yes, like the vaccine. Of course, we don't believe in mandating this, this vaccine. That's awful. But if this was something that was a legitimate threat to us and going to wipe out civilization, they wouldn't need to mandate because everybody would be lining up for it, which is the yes. same thing you're saying about these politicians. They're not afraid of it. They're not that mayor, uh, whatever her name is, San Francisco Bowser, who was feeling the spirit, did an opening yes. bit about her. Yes, Mayor Breed, Mayor She's London clearly, Breed. She was feeling the spirit. Yes. And in her defense, clearly not afraid Tony of it. T- no. In her defense, Tony, Tony, Tony is an incredible band. I would <laughs> yes. be psyched to meet them and hang out with them if I could. And for free, geez, I'd be there right now. I'd right. go wherever I had to go to see Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony for free. I don't, I don't begrudge her that one bit. No. So then turn around and end the mask mandate. Since yes. you demonstrated That's that, especially problem. if you're feeling the spirit that, you know, COVID, <laughs> uh, COVID's not a problem anymore. Then, and, and she went, well, I'm vaccinated. Well, it doesn't matter. The reason mm-hmm. the mask mandate doesn't respect whether or not you're vaccinated is because we know that when you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID and you can still spread COVID. The one yes. thing that the vaccine does is it, it appears from every bit of data I've seen, it makes you, you far less likely to get seriously ill or to end up in hospital or to die from it. That's amazing. What an incredible technology that allows that. But Mm -hmm. since it doesn't stop you from getting or spreading COVID, that means that there is no public health aspect to this. It is a personal choice as to whether or not you want to take this vaccine and it should remain that. Not not only does it uh, prevent you from getting sick, but it also they're finding now a new data that it allows you to carry a higher viral load. So you're not feeling yes. sick and you have more virus and you're in public because you don't feel sick. Just yes. spraying germs all over everybody. Spreading it everywhere. Yep. I don't know. Yep. Um, yes. All right, let's switch it up a little bit. You brought up something on Twitter that I wanted to mention because I learned about it from your Twitter. Um, some new red flag laws that the house has just passed. And I guess yep. these these are uh, pertain to guns. Basically, if you're accused of being a potential threat, that they can take your way, way your guns. And I don't know what that means, like potential threat. Like, does that mean like the old lady on the corner of the block who like stares out her window at us 24 seven looking at her house? Like I can call the cops and say this lady's creepy. She's a threat. Like, what is what does that mean? Potential threat? Short answer is yes, unfortunately. Now, the good news I've gotten since I tweeted that out is that supposedly both House Democrat leaders and House Republican leaders have said that they're going to remove that language from the final bill, which, by the way, should concern you, even though it's good this time. That means that the House members vote on something and then the leadership switch it up and modify it before they even take it to the Senate. So then why the hell have us vote on this? If, if you're a House of Representatives member, I would be offended to say, I just voted for something and then you changed it before you even took it to the Senate. What the hell is the purpose? Anyway, so they said they've removed it. So it, it looks like this is not going to 
to become federal law. But let's let's just say what this is. So a red flag law, and there are variations of it from state to state, but basically what a red flag law is, is that the idea behind this is that there are people in society who are ticking time bombs, and we need to take their guns from them uh, in order to stop them from doing something terrible. Now, on the outset, I can understand the motivation behind that. The problem is there's not really any good way to do that. No. Most of the time when we see these people that are about to do a mass shooting, what are they? They're loners. They keep to themselves. They don't typically have many warning signs. And there's not really any reason to think they do something typically until after they do it. Now, right. also, is the criminal justice system a good way of, of, of uh, arbitrating whether or not no. someone is going to do that? No, they're a terrible way to do it. So here's how this plays out. If that lady you were talking about down the street decides that she thinks that you might be a threat, she calls the police anonymously. That's the other thing. It's anonymous. You can mm-hmm. call anonymously and say, I think that X, Y, I think that Matt is a threat or whatever. I was and talking so about her have... being a threat to us. But yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, yeah. You could call the police on her and say she's a threat, too. Yeah. And here's what happens. Uh, they have a, a, a red flag hearing. Uh, to the, which is done in secret. You're not told about it. So you don't get to represent yourself. You have no due process. The due process is done in secret. Uh, no one's representing your side. And uh, they basically have a hearing to determine uh, whether the judge should grant a red flag um, um, warrant for them to come to your house and, and, and tell you that you have to give them your guns. Um, very little evidence is needed. And we know about the criminal justice system is that the way they get funded is through metrics. How many arrests have we done? How Same many prosecutions have we done? How many people so have push we put it. in jail? How many times have we pulled people over? How many warrants mm-hmm. and seizures have we had to do? So every bit of incentive for everyone on the entire ecosystem and food chain of the criminal justice system, everything is geared towards yeah. fighting, t- towards getting, get, granting that red flag warrant. And even if that wasn't there, there's another reason. If a judge, and this is for a judge who's not corrupt, who's trying their best to do the right thing. If a judge has a hundred red flag uh, uh, applications for a warrant, red flag hearings, and on a a hundred of them, they reject, they say there's not enough proof here. And 99 of them turn out to there's nothing wrong. They don't get applauded for that. They don't say, oh, this judge, he said no to all these things. And these people were allowed to keep their guns. What a wonderful thing. But if one of those people ends up killing someone, ends up hurting someone, and they find out that that judge didn't implement a red flag warrant, they say, look at that judge, you're ruined, you're terrible. You could have prevented this. If a judge on all of those 100 uh, red flag cases said yes to all of them. He's no one's going to say, oh, what a right. terrible judge. He's taking guns from people. They say, look at this judge who's got a hundred different bad people's guns off the streets. That that's So there's an incentive built in for them to over to assume, presume guilt and presume inf- a need for enforcement. So yep. almost certainly they're going to come to your house and take your guns. And yeah. that is inevitably going to lead to loss of life, both of officers and uh, the innocent people who are coming to have their gun that, that they're coming to take their guns from. It, it leads to unnecessary police interactions, it's going to inevitably be used the most against the poor, against the marginalized, the people who have the less, the least ability to fight back against the criminal justice system, just like literally everything else they do is. It is a terrible, terrible thing. It's a violation of the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, arguably the Fourth and Fifth Amendment as well. Yeah, my, I mean, my, my Democrat friends, they keep saying you're paranoid. They're not coming for your guns, but they are coming for they're the guns, clearly. Guns, yeah. And if you're paying attention like Australia right now is a, is a, a, just a disaster. And it seems we're like, 
I don't know, six months behind where they are headed down the (laughs) same path. But the reason it's gotten so bad there is the citizens are completely unarmed, right? Um, they, they have, they have no way to really stand up other than just in mass protest. Um, that can't happen here. Like gun, gun rights have never been my issue, but it becomes more and more clear every day when they start censoring speech, uh, that, that the right to bear arm and the the right to say what you want, they kind of go, they protect one another. And Mm -hmm. if, if one starts to go, the other's going, it's, it's absolutely Absolutely. And the first step before disarming people physically is disarming them in here. So long before they got gun control in Australia, they had disarmed the people of Australia and disabused them of of the notion that they should be able to defend themselves before they then took that route of a nationwide buyback. There was a little bit of pushback, but nothing like there would be here if they if tomorrow Joe Biden said we're doing a coerced mandatory nationwide gun buyback, it would it would go over not nearly uh, as easily as it did in Australia. I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story of something I found out and, okay. and I'm going to apply it to what I think is happening in the U.S. and really around the world. Uh, I went to a um, uh, I went with my wife to the uh, rice uh, museum in Georgetown, South Carolina, a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. And, uh, it talked about basically the life of what it was like on these rice and, um, and, uh, um, Oh, indigo plantations uh, on in in Georgetown, South Carolina. The life of the plantation owners and and mostly the life of the slaves. It really was like what it was their life like on a day to day basis. And the one thing that I noted was that the slaves were heavily heavily armed. Not only did they outnumber their owners and overseers, but the average slave, many of the slaves uh, were given uh, rifles and muskets that they were. Yeah, yeah, that they and the reason they were given these was because it was up to them to keep the pests away from the crops and scarecrows could only do so much. The purpose of the scarecrows was often to scatter the crows or to get them to fly onto it so they could then shoot the crows. And the reward that the slaves got was that if they killed a crow or they killed a pest bird or they killed whatever bird, they got to keep the bird and they could cook and eat it for themselves and their family and their, their neighbors and so forth. So it was like a reward. If okay. you, if you kill a bird, you actually, you know, you shoot the bird, it usually just scatters them. But in the rare case that you actually hit a bird, the, the guns were nowhere near as accurate as they are now. Uh, you, you got to keep it. And that was a big deal because usually they just got the, the scraps and the leftovers uh, of the, of the pig or the cow or whatever. You actually got the whole bird. You could have the white meat the whole thing. So here you had slaves who were being treated like cattle. Their life expectancy was a quarter of that of the owners. Most of them died in their late 20s due to indigo poisoning from having to deal with indigo uh, that they make blue ink and purple ink, and it would seep into their veins and they die from poisoning because they they didn't know that you know they needed gloves and that the owners didn't care because they just buy new slaves to replace them. They were being treated in the worst of conditions. And here they are outnumbering vastly outnumbering the people who were doing this to them and the people and who armed. were enforcing it. And they were armed. And all they could think was, man, I hope I can get a crow today. Wow. Now think now think that of how insane that is. a lot about uh, the psychology. Think of, of how insane that is. Now crazy. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Yes. How could someone be subjected to that kind of life and yet they're armed and they are easily able to stop it right now and their only thought is, man, I hope I can get a bird. Yeah. I'm going to tell you another story. Right now in the United States, armed gun owners outnumber the government enforcers 
about a hundred to one. Right. And they are heavily, 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 heavily armed. No, they don't have machine guns, but the fact is they have plenty of stuff. They got rifles and they got the home field advantage. And frankly, if they really started popping off, a lot of the cops and a lot of the the, uh, the military would join Mm -hmm. their side or just back down because they're their neighbors and friends and family. And yet most of those gun owners or a large number of them are constantly complaining that people don't comply with the police. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. They get you here first. And that's where we are. We're here. Most of us, they got us here. We are not in a spirit of rebellion. We may LARP about how we're stockpiling these guns to fight against tyranny. But when push comes to shove, half of those people that say that, probably more than half of the people that say that. 90%. Nine, I've, I didn't want to say that, but yeah, probably 90% of them are like, well, why didn't you just listen to the cops orders? Fight it in court. Yeah. Well, people will sacrifice, you know, as we said, they're sacrifice uh, freedom for the illusion of safety. Right. And, yes. it, and it's like you have the left, the left and the right is 90% of the population and the left for a while, it seemed like they believed in freedom with gay rights and marijuana and whatnot. And yep. now it seems like the right believes in freedom when, when we're talking about guns and speech and whatnot. But the yep. truth is neither one of neither the left or the right really believes in freedom. They just want to enforce what they believe on the other half of the country. There's yep. just a small sliver of people who truly believe in liberty and free will and free choice, like yep. regardless of whether or not they agree with it. Um, yep. So and and not just the illusion because of you're talking about you're talking about you're talking about the conservatives who they were you, you, that comparison you made conservatives yep. were mostly against the Black Lives Matter movement right yep. I was against yep. that movement too because it's it's communist movement but I was down with the message of defund police the police accountability yeah yes yep. Def, defund them get rid of them like I you, I could see clearly enough like <laughs> that's a problem that's a problem yep. so yep. let's yep. let's meet halfway there. But yep. the, the conservatives didn't. And now you have the liberals on the other side um, res- on, on this vaccine mandate. Right. Yep. 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 It's the same it's, issue both ways. It, it is it, conservatives and, and, and progressives switch places between saying we must resist and you must comply. And it's it, they're both saying the same thing. Don't mm-hmm. tread on me. Tread on them. That's yes. why we as libertarians say don't tread on anyone. Um, a very interesting thing. I spoke at a, at a rally. Uh, the day before yesterday in Minnesota, I was up in Minnesota campaigning with a guy up there who's running for Congress, Paul Johnson. And uh, this, um, I was there, we spoke at a, a freedom from tyranny rally. And this was an overwhelmingly conservative crowd. And they were eating out of our hands. They loved what I had to say. They loved what Bull had to say. They were there protesting against vaccine mandates, protesting against potential future lockdowns, protesting against uh, mask mandates, protesting against red flag laws, protesting against all of these infringements on their on their life, all of these these infringements on their freedom. And then when we were closing things up, they they kept playing these very they were very patriotic, lots of American flags, lots of Trump hats, the whole thing. And one of the songs they played was Lee Greenwood's "Proud to Be an American." And so here they are singing after we just spent the last well, they spent like three hours. We were there for about an hour. They they spent like hours protesting about the fact that they weren't free. And then they all just started saying, I'm proud to be an American where Mm -hmm. at least I know I'm free. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not free, right? But if you can keep saying, and this happened during the nine 11 thing, they hate us for our freedom. Mm -hmm. What freedom, right? So if, if you aren't allowed to do, if, if you, if your freedom is that all the things you want to do are things you're allowed to do, you're not free. You're domesticated. That is different than freedom. 
Yeah, you're new. Right. So it is it is this concept of, well, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. No, you're not. You're not. The first step is to admit you're not. When I went to Freedom Fest, they didn't like me. at. Well, I, I shouldn't say they didn't like me. They weren't comfortable with what I was saying at first. And then I started quoting founders who said, you're not going to be free unless you fight for it. This document, this parchment is not going to protect you against freedom. And so I kept using examples. How many of you know, I asked uh, how many of you, you know, a show of hands who here, uh, this was back in July, who here a couple of weeks ago uh, celebrated our freedom and independence. Everyone raised their hand. I said, okay, uh, keep your hands up. Uh, who here, uh, or, or I, I said, put your hands down if you, I forget how I did this, but I'm going to do it this way. Put your hands down if you celebrated uh, your freedom and independence in a place uh, where it's illegal to shoot off fireworks to celebrate mm-hmm. your independence and freedom. And right. a few people put their hands down. I said, okay, the rest of you keep your hands up. Now put your hands down uh, if you uh, celebrated in a place where the government at some point presumed the authority to tell you whether you were or were not essential. Um, most people put their hands down. Some people did still have their hands up. We were in South Dakota that never had lockdowns. I said, okay, great. Now, Put your hands down if you live in a place that has so many laws that the government doesn't even know how many there are. They can't even tell you, but they will do whatever it takes to enforce it upon you. And they've run up tens of trillions of dollars in debt that you and future generations will have to pay. And I said, if you live in America, put your hands down. (laughs) And and, and so they put their hands. I said, (laughs) that's good. Only the people who have their hands up right now, no one had their hands up, are truly free. If freedom was real, if you were truly free, we would not need a freedom fest. Freedom fest would be every day where we woke up and celebrated the fact that we were free. And they actually applauded that. I'm like, okay, good. So at least we've disabused uh, all everyone here of the notion that we're free. That's the first step sometimes, man, is showing people you're not free. Stop saying it and stop thinking it. Now let's talk about how we can actually be free. Right, right. Well, they get you from a young age and they, I think like patriotism is a bit of a trick. Like oh, yeah. they get you to be proud of your country and to be mm-hmm. patriotic. Like mm-hmm. you start in school with the pledge of allegiance, right? I, I, the, I pledge allegiance to the flag, blah, blah, blah. Like I pledge allegiance yeah. to my family and my principles. That's what I, that's what I pledge allegiance to. Yeah. Like this imaginary border. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I care about my neighbors. I care about my friends. I want everybody to have freedom, but I don't, I don't care about the colors and the flag and all that. Like it's yep. a trick. It's a mind game. Um, it is a mind game. And, and the interesting freedom, thing about the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, man. No, Freedom Fest, I, I meant to go this year and I, I couldn't go, but it's, it's from what I understand, it's a largely a conservative crowd mixed in yep. with some libertarians, right? Yep. So yep. you probably blew their mind with that message. Like they couldn't even, <laughs> they couldn't even comprehend what you were saying. Like, did, did you, you feel you converted people Did people come up to you after, like, were they interested in hearing more? Like, how'd that go down? They were thrilled. So one thing that I have learned is I challenge people's ideas by using their precepts so that they walk away going, man, I agree with everything you said. And there's minimal of, wait a second, I'm not sure if I ever agreed with that, but I use their precepts. So I talked about the founders. I talked about the revolution. I talked about the constitution. I largely talked about the constitution had failed them, but I talked about the con. I used all this stuff that they care about, their precepts, smaller government, less intrusive government, lower taxes, lower regulation. I did it all week long that I was there. I didn't try to go there and say, you know, you're a bunch of hypocrites. I went there and said, here's what you say you want. Here's where we actually are. Here's where we need to go. And it yeah. was very interesting to see. You're the very good disconnect. at that. You, you do that with the left. Well, also you, you speak to them from where they're at and that's very important. That's a, that's a skill. 
That's it's a, what you have to do, man. Yeah. You you have to meet people where they are on, on anything. The, the one book I recommend to everyone is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It, it is how to make interpersonal relations, even very close interpersonal relationships very quickly and get people to come to your side. And the best way to do it, that the, the long and short of it is meet them where they are, show them that you care, show them that you understand where they're coming from, and then show them that you understand the problems that we're facing, how we got there, and then you can take them on the journey for how freedom and liberty will fix this. In the case of Freedom Fest, I went there and I, and I did that kind of stuff, you know, saying, you know, prove to me you're free. Here, here's all the proof you're not free. Here's the founders. Don't take my word for it. Here's the founders telling you that you're not going to be free unless you fight for it constantly. And now here's what we have to do. And this was in between having some of the conservative presenters talking about how free we are, but then also talking about how we had to fight back against these infringement on our freedoms. Well, which is it? Are right. we free or are we not? But the problem is conservatism. The Republican Party relies on people having to believe we're free because if we aren't free, then what the hell have the Republicans been doing for the last hundreds sure. and some odd years, right? So they have to try to make people think they're free because they're part of the system. So mm -hmm. they have to do this weird, like we're free, but also we're not free, but only when Democrats say things and then Democrats do this, you know, well, we're fair and equal, but not when Republicans are doing things. So we're not really fair and equal. And actually this whole thing's it up, you know, and all it takes is someone going in and saying, no, uh, they're right. You're not free. Things aren't fair. Things aren't fair or equitable. And here's why they aren't. You know, yeah. we're the consistent ones. They're the ones who have to do, you know, contortionists, uh, mental contortion and mental gymnastics and verbal gymnastics to try to, you know, reconcile the nonsense, the contradictory nonsense, hypocritical crap they're saying all the time. All we have to do is come in and be consistent. But the way that we do that, the way that we break through the fact that we're completely outnumbered and outmanned and outgunned and outspent on every front when it comes to messaging and politics is to meet people where they are, where they are physically and where they are in here. Empathize with them, show that we care, show that we understand where they're coming from, lower those cognitive defenses, get them on our side, work with them on things that we already agree on, whatever that thing is. And then from there, we can bring them on the journey to liberty. And that's what I'm trying to lead by example, going across the country doing every day. Awesome. You're doing a great job of it. And, and you're right. We do. We are. Dave Smith likes to call himself uh, the most consistent motherfucker, you know, or something like that. I'm sure you're familiar <laughs> with Dave Smith. And it, it's a funny oh, yeah. line, but it's it's true about the the uh, liberty philosophy. It's the only yeah. one that you can just yeah. plug it in there and it's consistent. You don't have to do yes. mental gymnastics to make it work. Um, okay. You, you mentioned Bill Johnson. I, I, just, I got two quick things. I know you got it. I'm sure you got other things to do. Um, number one, who is bull Johnson? Number two, you're, you're out there campaigning and that's awesome. And you ran for awesome, uh, for office and that's awesome. And there's a lot of libertarians running for office more than ever before, but yeah. I'm wondering, like, it seems like we are speeding down a highway to hell. As far as Liberty goes, do we yeah. have time to win this battle through the electoral process? So, I can take a uh, yeah, so let's talk about Bull Johnson first, and then I'll go to your to your are we doomed question. Uh, and the short answer is no, we're not doomed, but we can get back to that in a second. Bull Johnson is a uh, uh, he doesn't like to call himself a combat veteran because he didn't actually serve in direct combat, but he served in theaters of combat. So I think that actually makes him a combat vet, but he doesn't like saying that, but he's an Iraq war vet. He served in the military for 20 years. Um, and he is also a farmer. Um, and he is campaigning, uh, for Congress representing this gigantic district, the entire Western side of Minnesota, 
Um, I, I, we literally traveled for hours uh, over the course of two days and visited, I think a third of the state maybe. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, but he's going and he's running a grassroots campaign, uh, in a district that is very heavily read, uh, against an establishment Republican who probably has never rarely even ventures into the district, much less goes around it. Uh, she's a very, very lame duck and the Democrats are, are more than likely not going to put anyone up because it's a waste of time for them. And he's going to go and run a grassroots campaign across that across that entire district. And after seeing what his game plan was, I said, bring me out there and I will happily help you in any way that I can. And so that's what I did. And I got to hang out with him for two days. And Bull Johnson is one of the, one of the most down to earth. He's not a politician. He's a farmer who looked at what's going on and said, all right, fine, I'll run because we need representatives, not rulers. We need people who are going to represent us and who better to represent us than one of us, an actual farmer, someone who lives off the land, someone who knows what it is we're facing, not some AstroTurf schmuck mm-hmm. brought in by the, by the Trump machine, by the Republican machine, but someone who actually represents this district. Well, that's what it's supposed to be representative. Job. Like that's, that's, that's what our literally people, yeah. what it's supposed to be. It it's is not, not supposed that. to be career politics. It's yeah. supposed to be people like bull saying, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do my time for a few years and then go back home. Having hopefully made the, 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 you know, Congress a better yep. place than it was when I got I'll do there. my time. Like it's supposed to be a service. Yes. I'll do yes. my time and yep. Not I'll stay in there for a lifetime and and come out with book deals and speaking engagements. Yeah, I will do my time. That's I like that attitude. That is exactly what it's supposed to be. And that's what he's doing. And frankly, there's a guy named Jake Vandenplaz. Uh, he's doing the exact same thing. He's literally a combat vet and uh, and a far- farmer, like almost the exact same story. He's running, I forget which district, but in Wisconsin. Uh, and then there's a lady named Liz Terwilliger, and she's running for Congress in Pennsylvania. And she's also, you know, a, a middle-class blue-collar person. Uh, there's a guy named Mike Termott. He's running for Congress in Florida. There's some incredible people that are running for office across the country, which brings us to your second question, which is, do we we have time. Now, I'm not a believer in this precipice theory that, you know, we're going to reach a point and that point is a point of no return. And when that happens, everything's screwed. And we're all going to die. You, you I don't think you don't this. think the the vaccine passport becoming digital and, and, and becoming like a social credit score could be like that line where we it's too late to fight back? That's no, I think that it will just make it that much worse. So I believe in something which in some ways is actually more cynical and and negative and in some ways is 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 better or at least more hopeful. So people tend to think it's like this. And then there are these lines where it's like this big drop off. I think it's like this. I think there's just this steady sloping descent into tyranny, which, again, sounds more depressing (laughs) up front, but it's actually better. And here's why. All it means is that whenever we start bending that curve and going back towards freedom, it's just going to take us longer and take us more effort to get there. And yes, something like, because it's not a straight line, there's definitely some hiccups there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think that, and yes, I think that digitization of vaccine passports and the otherization of nearly half the country, uh, especially the most poor and marginalized among us, and this this idea of, of fostering this idea that if you're not vaccinated, you know, they, it's almost like they want people to, they want the vaccinated to fear the unvaccinated even more than they fear COVID itself. Like they Mm -hmm. want them to fear us. And I'm not, I'm not, we've seen this play out before in the world. Yeah. That's what they want. How could that possibly go wrong? Right. So Mm -hmm. yes, it is a very serious thing. I am not under, under, uh, underestimating that. and, And we need to fight it at every step, but I do not believe that there is ever no hope. As long as there is one person and liberty rings in their heart, then we have that much hope. Even if it's not much hope, we have that much hope. If you look back in history at the 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 sheer 
ridiculously low number of people who were able to stage peasant revolts. And yes, those peasant revolts usually failed. And yes, many of them died. But more and more of them eventually led to reforms in governing, which led to the surviving people being more free and ultimately led to reforms like the Magna Carta, ultimately led to things like the French Revolution, ultimately led to things like the American Revolution. And every single one of those things was preceded by an increase of access to information, the printing press, the newsprint, the radio, television, the internet, social media. Every time that happens, more people actually have access to more information, are able to get more of a perspective and more context more easily. And they go, I've been lied to. Mm -hmm. So here's where we come in. When we meet people where they are, it disabuses them of the notion that their rulers are in our, have their best interests at heart. And we right now have the ability to do exactly that and organize across the country. And I, I have some exciting stuff that's going to be coming up in just the next couple of weeks uh, that where we are going to take what we're already doing and put it into absolute overdrive awesome. where you and everyone else watching this that's can become a part, a direct part of the activism. Yeah, we, we need, we need some, like we need some instructions and actions for, I, I ask all my guests, like we need some direct us, like what can we do now to make some change? Right. So when you have something, give it to us. We're laid out there for the people you're doing, you're doing, you know, God's work. I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, we need, we need you out there. The story you shared about the slaves, that's not one I've ever heard. That kind of blew my mind. And it's such a powerful one. I'm definitely going to clip that out of the show and spread that all over social media. Where can people, um, find more of Spike going? Absolutely. And thank you, Matt, again, for, for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is what my third time with you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be on. Hopefully I can come on again in the near future. Absolutely. Uh, if people want to check out what I'm doing, I have uh, two shows, uh, two podcasts uh, that are on Muddied Waters Media. Uh, you can find Muddied Waters Media on Facebook. You find it on all social media platforms and all podcasting platforms. And you can also find us on Muddied, Muddied, not Muddy, MuddiedWatersMedia.com. Uh, and if you want to follow me personally and all the stuff I'm doing politically and personally, uh, you, I'm Spike Cohen. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and on YouTube. I'm even on TikTok for the kids. Uh, you can find me on there. Uh, and my website is SpikeCohen.com. You can also find me in person because I am going all over the freaking country sure. all the time. So follow me on social media and on SpikeCohen.com. I regularly update people with my upcoming events. Uh, that are happening. Uh, come out and meet me. Uh, come out and hang out with me. Come out and ask me questions. I love answering questions. Just like I was doing on this show, I, I spend hours a day when I go out to stuff just answering people's questions. I'm happy to do it. It's my favorite thing. It is why I wanted to do this. I wanted to find people who have legitimate questions that are not being answered and provide that answer and help provide some guidance and help lead by example to, to help set this movement free. And, and I, the last thing I just want to say to everyone is that you can feel outnumbered. And that does happen. You know, it looks hopeless. It looks like we're, it, we are being outspent, outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered. Look at every movement, every revolution that has ever been successful. It started with sometimes just two people like this right here, two people who didn't care how, what the odds were, didn't care how outmanned they were, didn't care how outspent they were, didn't care if their lives were in danger, didn't care about any of that because the, they knew that the only alternative to them fighting until they won 
was to just shrug their shoulders and say, I guess this is how it's going to be. And that was unacceptable to them. That's unacceptable to you. And that's why you're here. That's why you're listening to this and watching this because it's unacceptable to you. We will win. Liberty is going to win. And when it Mm. does, it will be because of you. It will be because of the remnant, because of the people who said, I refuse to stop fighting until I win. You will be the trailblazers. You will be the people that people speak about when we win. Those who fought when no one else would, we are going to win and we are just getting started. And I'm honored to work with you. Awesome. Awesome. That was inspiring. (laughs) I love that. Um, all right, everybody. Spike Cohen, named after a dragon, not a pony. Thank you so much. That was awesome. <laughs> Keep bringing the fire. And uh, people, go to his website. I, I assume you do email blasts to let us know. Like the, You're talking about these events so they can find out about the events and get involved. We want to get involved. Yep. We want to win. You got me fired up right there. Thank you, Spike. Thank you, Matt. And thank you all for watching. And yes, dragons, way more manly than ponies. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Spike. Thank you.